0: Hi, I'm Alan.
1: And I'm Alexis. We had four kids in four years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes they think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it.
0: We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously.
1: Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope we can give you something new to think about.
0: Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello, and welcome to episode 27 of Parenting in Real Life. We're back. After two weeks of craziness, we are back at it.
1: Here we are. So, thanks for being patient for, with us.
0: Mm-hmm. So, our Parenting in Real Life moment.
1: We are going to talk about Christmas, since we are getting close. Yep. You probably have already started thinking, you know, um, Christmas shopping and thinking about what you're getting your kids for Christmas, so of course we got one of those toy catalogs in the newspaper, which we don't even get a newspaper. This is like some free newspaper that someone throws at our house. Anyway, he had a toy catalog in it. So the girls went crazy and started circling everything they wanted, which is pretty much everything on every page. And the ironic thing is our kids don't play with toys.
0: They love getting toys, <laughs> but they don't play with toys.
1: Ever. So they circled all these things, and I asked the girls to – narrow it down to their top two choices because I'm like, we're not going to be able to get you all these toys. So pick your two favorite things. And their two favorite things that they picked were pretty much things that they already have. So Chloe wants like the shimmer and shine castle things. These are two little genies. She already has shimmer and shine toys that she doesn't play with. And Cammy wants a Barbie with a horse. She has Barbies that she doesn't play with. It just kind of makes me really frustrated. (laughs) They want these toys that we know are just not good we played with
0: so i don't i don't remember exactly but i'm pretty sure that the whole toy catalog thing was not something that happened in our house well, Asking, it
1: happened just probably not in your house yeah. i remember catalogs when i was a kid yeah i
0: said in our house <laughs> I, and no i'm talking about parenting here oh Not when we grew up. But my parents, I don't remember them asking for lists. They didn't want to know what we wanted. And I think, now that I've got a few Christmases under my belt, that's really smart. You're about to give kids a bunch of free stuff. Whatever it is, they should be happy about it. And having them ask just sets you up to fail. Because now if you don't get that, Christmas is ruined.
1: But what if there's something they really want? And wouldn't it be better to know so you can get it?
0: I do not care.
1: Okay. So when I was a child, this is a classic story in my family that my parents will never let me live down. I think I was like four. And so for Christmas, I really wanted this butterfly maker. It was one of those little Play-Doh things, you know, that you push in and it makes butterfly. That was the only thing I wanted for Christmas. And my parents didn't get that for me for Christmas. My birthday is just right after Christmas, and so they were saving it for my birthday and I cried at Christmas because I wanted the butterfly maker. And my mom was, like, really upset because it was in the closet waiting for my birthday. But that was the only, I remember, like, specifically, that was the only thing that I wanted for Christmas. But I didn't get it, and Christmas was ruined, so.
0: And that's why you don't have your kids have a preference. <laughs> so I actually have a similar story. For my whole life, I wanted a Nintendo whatever the new one was. And every year I didn't get it. And eventually I was like, oh, we don't get stuff. And <laughs> I'm better for it. <laughs> I always got something, but it was never that.
1: Well, that's really expensive. Sometimes there's a difference. And your mom was aware that you would be addicted to games. But
0: but having kids have like a thing they want is setting them up for that heartbreak. I just think, hey... You're about to get a bunch of free stuff. How exciting.
1: There you go. It is kind of nice now that um, with TV, our kids don't really see commercials anymore. So they don't know what the latest and greatest toys are, except for what they talk to their friends about. But the TV doesn't have an influence on them because we watch Netflix, you know.
0: If we saw a commercial for something, it was like a guarantee it wasn't happening. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't say this to be like poor picked on me. I like that. I, I just think gifts are dumb.
1: Well, so I think we're going to try to focus on things that aren't toys this year that our kids can still do as activities, so like games, and we were thinking of getting a trampoline um, downstairs in the basement, one of the ones that fit in your house, because it's very cold here in Wisconsin in the winter, so it'd be a nice way to let out some energy in those freezing winter months.
0: Yep. So, that's the game plan. But our social media question for the week is, what's your Christmas strategy? Do you have kids? grade lists. Do you not? How do you do it? Let us know because we sincerely want to know. Mm-hmm. It's not too late. You can still save Christmas.
1: <laughs> we got two months. <laughs>
0: okay, today we are going to talk about not saying sorry, but comes from an interesting story. The author of this article um, on Offspring, which is part of Life Hacker, she wrote um, about shopping around for different daycares and as she was watching the kids play outside at one of these daycares a boy stepped on somebody's finger on accident as they were climbing up or down a ladder or whatever and instead of saying sorry or running away or whatever she saw this boy turn around and say is your finger hurt can i get you a wet towel and i don't know exactly what the wet towel is supposed to do (laughs) but she was shocked that she that was his reaction and so she turned to the People at the daycare and they're like, oh, we don't teach them to say sorry. We teach them to try and help make whatever they did better. And that was kind of like her eye opening. Oh, like there's a better way to do this than just saying sorry.
1: Yeah, I like that this article we're going to go into it in just a minute, but kind of goes through a step by step process because um, in the parenting solutions um, program that we were listening to, um, it also mentions this not making your kids say sorry. And I could I could see how that would be beneficial because I've tried to make my kids say sorry and you can tell there is no feeling behind it. They don't care. It doesn't do anything for anybody. So I've kinda of stopped. It's just like
0: a pride struggle.
1: Yeah. So I've I've kinda of stopped doing that because I could just tell that it doesn't it's not helping anyone. And so but I didn't really know a good way to do it a different way, you know, which help mm. them still feel empathy and, and make things better. So I really like this article. Um kinda of goes step by step that we're gonna talk about.
0: I usually just can't fight, fight,
1: fight, fight, fight. <laughs> They'll learn. (laughs) Sometimes we do kind of let them, I do like to let them kind of figure it out on their own sometimes and let the struggle happen a little bit longer, but.
0: Yep. There was another article. Was it this article? Some other article that said, as a parent, you should be a coach and not a referee.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: I like that. You're not there to like decide the fights. You're there to like, hey, we're all on the same team. How can we work this out? It's a very different mentality than referee. And I feel like a referee most of the time. Or a coach. But the angry kind of coach.
1: What are you screaming on the sidelines? What are you <laughs> Get it together! That
0: was tonight. It was a rough night. bit of a rough night.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Most Sundays are rough. I don't know how we record on Sundays. We feel like terrible parents. <laughs> but makes us, makes us
0: the realest of real-life parents. It's <laughs> true. You should see us on Monday. We are happy people.
1: (laughs) It's Sundays. In the article, they talk about a lady named Heather Schumacher, or Shoemaker, I think is this one. Shoemaker and Shoemaker. This one's Shoemaker. Um, How do you know? Because the mocker is like a CH, right? And this is a K.
0: This one just makes shoes. Yeah. She doesn't mock them.
1: (laughs) So. She wrote a book called "It's Okay Not to Share" and other renegade rules for raising competent and compassionate kids. That's one long title. Um, but she says the problem with the sorry solution is that many young children, say preschool age, haven't reached a stage of moral development to actually feel sorry. So parents are missing a key opportunity to teach real empathy. So I like that because um, it just kind of goes to show, you know, when you're teaching, when you're telling your kids to say sorry, that they are not, re- they can't really feel that yet they don't have the capacity to feel that and so we have to teach them how to feel empathy
0: forcing them to say sorry is just like it cannot be anything but empty Mm -hmm. at a certain age you know and so you're much better off teaching them why they should feel sorry than just doing it in fact one of the hyperlinks in this article is to another offspring article called oh shoot what was it called anyways click on the article and see um Oh, but it was when your kid does something wrong, teach them the consequences to others. So rather than like getting mad or telling them not to or say stop, like say, hey, did you know that when you do that, this is what happens to me or your brother or whatever and help them just see that instead. Um, didn't read all of that article.
1: I need to read that article. Maybe Man.
0: we'll bring it back.
1: I can't even tell you how many bring times, I, <laughs> how many times a day I tell Nathan to stop, stop doing what he's doing. So many times. So I should read that because obviously just telling your kid to stop doesn't really work. And so. It doesn't? <laughs> no, it doesn't.
0: It does not. <laughs> yep. So maybe you that's next to. week's. <laughs> Buckle up. Don't read it. Spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> Actually, don't read the article. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs>
0: um. So then she goes on. I think that that, like, the takeaway, we could stop right there. Don't make your kid say sorry. Teach them to. Actually, like, fix the problem. That's the takeaway. Then she gives seven things that you should do to help with that. And for me, that's a little overwhelming. You're like, man, I can't remember seven of anything.
1: It is but a very long So
0: don't I try said. and remember all of these specifically. But I think just in general, when we wrap it up, we'll just try and give, like, a high level. Like, essentially this. So, again, don't get overwhelmed by this list. Um, but just think about what this list is trying to get at.
1: So number one is bring the kids together. So the child who hurt the first kid, sometimes they run away or they just you know ignore them. Make sure you bring that kid back to the situation so that they are there and present so that you can talk about um, what happened and stuff. So make sure you bring that kid back.
0: Yep. And then tell the child who caused the accident what happened and be specific. This one's interesting because I feel like, hashtag too many kids, I often don't <laughs> see it. Um, right. Like this is, this is happening off, off stage. And by the time they get to us, everybody's like firmly entrenched and like, no, I didn't. This is going to be interesting. But I think in general, this is true. Like rather than saying, no, what happened? And like inviting this, well, he said, she said, just say, this is what happened. And this was, this was what, you know, the situation is rather than having that hearsay.
1: So then that goes with number three, describe what you see. So, you know, if you have a child who his finger is bleeding, yeah. you can say, <laughs> Oh, blood. Don't freak out. Say It's red. <laughs> Not like that. No, you could say, Oh, look, you know, her finger is bleeding um, now and she's crying. So just kind of describe, you know, how the person's feeling and, and what's happening, you know, so the kid can can recognize that.
0: Help them see what you would hope, like, an adult would see. Like, what's wrong with this situation? You know, like, why should you feel bad? Mm -hmm. And part of that is number four, modeling empathy for the hurt child. So you've got this kid that's hurt or offended or whatever. Model empathy by feeling bad for them, right? By saying, oh, man, that must have been really frustrating or that must have been channel your Daniel Tiger parents (laughs) and help them see why that must have been uncomfortable or unpleasant for the other kid.
1: Yeah, ask if they're okay, you know, give them a hug, you know. Yep. You show the, the sympathy for the kid.
0: Right. And this isn't forcing it on them, right? You're just modeling, like, this is what you should be doing, right? Like, <laughs> I shouldn't have to do this for you, but because you're young and learning, I'm going to do it. And you're here, you're watching me do it. But that way, hopefully, next time you'll be able to do it on your own or in a hundred times.
1: Definitely a hundred. Be no. realistic. <laughs> it takes a hundred times to each kid anything.
0: Now seriously, we. Uh, this is an aside, but we got a dog. Crazy. Boo. But I am just blown away <laughs> at how many parallels there are to parenting. I really do think that dogs are... Training a dog is good preparation for training the child. Because there's so many things like... If you train a dog the right way, right? When you're training a dog, you're supposed to ignore bad behavior and focus on good behavior. And when they start doing something bad, like if they're jumping up on people, the way you fix that isn't to say no, it isn't to get up in their grill or get mad when they do that. It's to give them something else good to do. So if they jump up on you, you don't say no, you say sit. And then you reward the sitting. And that's just such a good parallel to parenting where you're not supposed to focus on the bad because so kids and dogs reply or respond to attention, even if it's negative. So if you respond even negatively to bad behavior, then you're rewarding it. And so it's much better to either ignore the bad behavior and or redirect to a good behavior and then reward that. And so there's so many things I'm learning about parenting by raising a dog and i can't believe i just said that because i've judged so many fur parents and i still i'm still an advocate for human children but i do think that there's some good things to be learned from raising a dog
1: that said i still prefer not having the dog so dogs are not for everybody Well,
0: the flip side of that is raising a dog is a lot like raising another kid. So if you're a little overwhelmed with your human ones, might not be a good time to get a fur one.
1: That's probably what it is. I already have four kids and pregnant, (laughs) dot, dot, dot. Why did we get a dog? It is another child. It really is.
0: Hashtag, I'm learning so much. (laughs) Number five, take action. So take action is like, yes, we've acted sorry, but now let's actually do something. So, can I get a Band-Aid? Can I, this is the wet towel thing. <laughs> like, can I do something, even if it's a fake thing, to show that I care, right? And this is, again, the modeling thing. So, how can I show Jimmy or Sally or whoever's hurt that I really do feel bad? And that way, and sometimes it'll be really obvious, right? Like, if they messed up their puzzle or spilled on their whatever, then fix it. But sometimes you might even have to make something up just so that they learn. When you do something bad and you feel sorry for people, you should help them and you should try and fix it.
1: Number six is make a guarantee. So instead of making the child say sorry, you want to reestablish trust between the kids by asking the child, are you going to hit them again? And then having them say, I won't hit you again. So you're going to ask them if they're going to repeat the You know, the thing that, yeah, the offense that they just did and have them say no, that they won't. Um, the problem is what if they don't say no,
0: then you must have our kids. (laughs) (laughs) Let
1: me just tell you the other day, Cammy was really bugging Chloe and Chloe really likes to ham it up and scream about it. (laughs) And I was just like, Cammy, Why do you keep doing the same thing? Why do you keep bugging her? Don't you hear her scream? Like, why won't you stop? And she says, well, sometimes I just like to bug people. (laughs) I'm like, and that is the problem right there. This is what we're dealing with.
0: Hashtag truth. (laughs) I feel that a little bit.
1: Nathan said a very similar thing just a few days later that he liked to, oh man, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't quite like bug people, but it was like, sometimes I like to hit or something and I was like great great
0: this is good look at the communication skills we're developing in our children that's (laughs) tough stuff that's real right there but I think the idea is that if you've done the empathy part right then they'll see like oh yeah this isn't something I want to do again unless you have a psychopath child they should should be on board (laughs) we'll have another episode on psychopath children (laughs) and finally seven model saying sorry in your own life So, rather than making them say sorry, help them learn that social skill by demonstrating it, right? And I, not to toot my own horn, but I do this a lot. (laughs) Mostly because I'm apologizing to my kids a lot. (laughs) Like tonight, after getting upset with them, I went in and apologized to them and said I shouldn't have gotten mad. And we had a conversation about what I did wrong. And so, I'm trying to do that part.
1: I am not as good as that. Um, That's something I struggle more to do. I think it's a pride issue because I think as a parent, you think I don't need to apologize to my child because I was in the right and they were the ones making the mistakes, you know? I don't feel that way. Well, Alan is a people pleaser, so he doesn't feel that way, but I am not. (laughs) So sometimes it's hard for me to want to say sorry because I don't feel like it was my fault. But that they were the ones who made me get upset, you know? But um, those moments that I do recognize that I pro- that I need to apologize and go and talk to my kids and say sorry, um, it's rewarding for me as a parent to not only, you know, I feel better about the situation afterwards, but also just to see how children are so quick to forgive and, you know, it's, it's easy for them to be like, oh, it's okay and, and they're over it, you know. And so it's just... It's a good experience to be able to apologize to your child for something that you did. I think it's good for both people.
0: Mm-hmm. So I told you I was going to simplify that because I don't think you need to write down this list of seven things.
1: It's a lot to go through.
0: In general, I think what we're getting at here or Miss Shoemaker, 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 Maker is trying to say is rather than forcing them to say sorry – Bring your kids together and then just show them what they should be doing. Show them how they should be feeling first by describing what you see, explaining the situation, modeling the empathy, and even taking action, doing something to try and make it better. And then hand it over to them and say, so, are you going to do this again? And then just be a good example of saying sorry and let that, essentially that seventh isn't even part of the process. That's just... If you're worried that your kids are going to grow up, like, with no social skills because you never told them to say sorry, you can get that some other way. So,
1: <laughs> so Eventually, the goal is to get your kids to say sorry on their own, but at a time when they understand how, what it means.
0: Yep, and it'll come naturally because yeah. they'll have seen you do it, mm-hmm. in my case, all the time.
1: <laughs> you're such a good dad.
0: No, it's because I'm <laughs> such a bad dad and I have to apologize all the time.
1: You know, everybody makes mistakes. Thank you, Miley. Everybody has those days.
0: Thank you, Miley. <laughs> so, I um, hope you enjoyed that episode. We sure did. And you can follow us on Instagram at PIRL Podcast or Light in My Home. Or tweet us at Alan T. Tanner.
1: And at Alexis Tanner1. You can email us at Parenting in Real Life Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash P-I-R-L.
0: You need to replace that with this podcast is sponsored by the Tanners, (laughs) my parents, who are funding this podcast. (laughs) And or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating, please, please. There are still some really crummy family podcasts (laughs) that are beating us in the search results and I just don't know why. And we so only please, have like five ratings. ratings,
1: and it's been a while since we've gotten a new one. So, uh, we're even if you look at the credits in this podcast episode, if you're not sure how to rate us, um, there's a little link in there that takes you step by step on how to do a rating on iTunes. So, it's pretty simple, but it explains it. So, click on the link, give us a rating.
0: You can do it. And as always, a special thanks to our, should we say five? Say this five. This one's already
1: annoying. <laughs> pregnancies
0: personal <laughs> And a special thanks to our five kids for being kids. All right It's not all right too soon
1: yep. All right awkward pause
0: <laughs> You're an awkward pause. Oh <laughs> that's was deep.